Welcome to Sicha uh, Bey's Parshas Matos in Chelik Yud Gimel, page 110. The Parsha Seinu Mesuper, in this week's Parsha, the Torah relates the story, After the Eden were victorious over their war, in their war with uh, Midian, the Eden brought their captives, the plunder, so Tziva HaKadosh Baruch the Ebishter commands the Eden. So, as Reish Malkoyach, take account of the plunder, Hashvi, the captives, Ba'adam, the people, Ba'behema, the animals, Vagaymer, and then the Chatzisa Samalkoyach, all the um, plunder has to be divided. Ben half for the people that actually went out in battle, Uven Koleido, and the other half should go to all of the rest of the Eden. Chetzia Le'elu, Half for the ones that went out to war, and the half to rest the Klal Yisrael. And then what should be done with it? And a tax, sort of a miser, a tax should be given to the Eibishter, from the half that the people that went out into war have. How much should the tax be? One of five hundred will go to the Kayin. And that tax will go to a Lazar HaKoyin. The other half of the plunder that goes to all the Eden. You also take a tax. A 50th. And that tax should be given to the Levim. And then the Torah concludes. They fulfilled the uh, mitzvah, the command of the Eibishter. Achakach, then after this, Mefaret HaKosov, the Torah, elaborates and says, Schum HaMolkoyach shall kolmin umin, the exact number of all the plunder, of every single min separately, the humans, the cattle, the uh, donkeys, the sheep, every single thing, the Torah gives a number of how much there were. Schum HaMachtzes shall kolmin umin, HaShayach L'Tevsi HaMolchameh, and the Torah gives you the number of the half that went to those that went out in battle. Then the Torah also says what the tax was. They had to give one of 500 to the Kayanim, what that was, what that amount was. And then the Torah also tells us, and it says each min specifically exactly how much it was. And the other half, the other half that went to the rest of Klal Yisrael, the Torah also tells us the exact amount of how much there was. Umesayim, and then the Torah just concludes, Umimachtzis b'nei Yisrael, esa'ochoz echad menachamishim. From all these um, plunder, from what went to the Yidin, one fiftieth went for a, a tax to Levim. And ve'enim afarat mispadam. Here, the Torah does not elaborate to say exactly what a fiftieth was of each one of the species that they received. So, the Rebbe has over here two very basic questions. That's at first glance, there's something that's not understood here at all. Loma ma'ira ha'kosov lefarat kol mispadam Why is the Torah going into such an arichis, describing exactly the amounts, the numbers of what there were. Wouldn't it be enough if the Torah would just simply say, 
that Meish and Elazakayim followed the mitzvah and they divided it amongst the ones that went into battle and amongst the Eden. And they saw that they, they saw to it that they gave Meiser or the tax for whatever had to be given and they did everything the way it was they were told to do. That's all. Why does it matter to us? To know even just the number in general of how much it was, the plunder that they all got. And not only that, the Titus spells out specifically of every species, the, the humans, the animals, and the cattle, the sheep, everything the Titus spells out very specifically the numbers of what they got. Why does the Titus have to go into all this detail? Now, even if you're going to say, even if you're going to say, for whatever reason, the Tere wants to share the, all the details of what happened here, exactly how much they got, how much plunder was there, and from each min, exactly how much they got. But wouldn't it be enough for the Tere to say exactly the number of how much plunder they had? Then it would be self-understood. What is the half? If you take that full number and you divide it in half, it would be self-understood what half of that is for the people that went into battle. And how much is one of 500 would also be self-understood. And what the second half that went to Klal Yisrael would also be self-understood. So even if the Tater wants to tell us the exact number of what they got, and the exact number of each min of what they got, but then to say also the second half, that the Yidin, they divided it, they divided it in two between the ones that went to battle and the rest of the Yidin, it's obvious, you divide it into two, you'll know exactly what the half is. And then one of 500, how much that is, you can calculate it on your own. Why does the Tater have to go into all this? But now comes the question on the other hand. If for whatever reason, there's a reason why the Torah has to spell out specifically the first half, the second half, and then the meches, the tax that they gave from the half of the ones that went to battle. One of 500, exactly how much it was. So why does the Torah not tell us the exact count of what was a 50th that, that Klal Yisrael gave tax to the Levim. That, the Torah just says, they gave a 50th, and it does not spell out the number. Why doesn't it spell out the number there? Well, Haisif, to make another important point there, Kivin, Ashakushis, Elu, Hein, Belimud, Pshutishul Mikra, these are questions in the simple Pshara the Pasik. Harehoyet Rashi Tzorach Letartzan, a question like this, Rashi should have addressed. Okimedube Kamapamim, it was spoken many times, Kidarkoy Shal Rashi, Bipirushi Alatayra. It's Rashi's derech in his Pirish on Chumish, Levaya kol dover He answers every question that comes up in the simple Pshara of the Pasik. Since Rashi does not answer these questions, this itself proves This is not a question. You learn the Psukim and you pay attention to the Pshara of the Pasik. It's self-evident why the Tere, why it was necessary for the Tere to spell out all of these numbers. And Rashi, so much so that Rashi doesn't even have to address it. Ramban Metaretz, the Ramban answers here and addresses part of the question that the Rebbe asks. And the Ramban, the Ramban says as follows. The Tere has to talk about this detail. Sheyaskir kama hamechza to tell you what was the half that they received. 
the Kama HaMeches, and also to tell you what was the tax they paid. Lohidiya, to let us know the following thing. From the day that they took, that they received this plunder, until the day that they actually counted all of it, and then divided all of it, they have finished and then they also separated the tax, and they gave it to Allah, from all of the cattle they had, from this massive amount of cattle they had, not one died along the way. There was not one that was missing over all this period of time of the counting, dividing, and separating the tax. And the same is also true with the other half that went to all the Klal Yisrael and they gave a tax to the Levim. The number that they took right in the beginning, that's the number that they had a while later after it was divided than when they gave the tax. That's a mess that happened over here that nothing died throughout this entire time. So that's what the Torah is letting us know here, a tremendous miracle that happened, something extremely unusual. Aval, so the Rebbe says about this Teretz of the Ramban, the Ramban does not address the second question of the Rebbe, that why when it comes to the tax of the Levim, does the Torah not spell out exactly what the amount of their tax was? Even when you learn in Pshat, so there's the rule that it says, the Rebbe always quotes this in the name of the Ran. The Ebishter never performs a miracle for no reason. And this is something that's understood and accepted even when you learn the Pshat of the Pasik. So if so, this Pshat of the Rambane that tells us that there was a, a, a nest that happened, the Lashon of the Ramban is, the nest, that this is a miracle that occurred there. So the question is, what's the point of this miracle? So the Pshat of the Ramban actually adds another question. That, okay, the Torah is spelling this all out to tell us a miracle. What's the point of the Abish to making such a kind of nest which seems to have absolutely no benefit whatsoever? Now you're going to say, well, the benefit of the nest is that there was nothing of the possessions of the Yidin that they had here that was lacking. That the Abish protected it all and the Yidin were, were, had the, everything they took. So the Rebbe says, this is very unusual. We don't find that the Ebishter performs a miracle. So the point here is for the Yidin to have their money, to Yidin to have what they need. So how does the Ebishter ensure that the Yidin have what they need? By making sure that nothing passes, but not, nothing dies and they have the exact same amount. We don't find ever that the Ebishter makes a nest in this kind of way. If the point there is that the Yidin should have enough money that they need, enough possessions of what they need, there's many ways through natural means that the Ebishter can see to it that the Yidin should have everything they need. It's not necessary. If that's the purpose of the nest, that Yidin should have what they need, it's not necessary to perform a nest in order for, for this purpose. It could happen through many other natural means that the Ebishter can do. So therefore, the Rebbe does not accept the Pshat of the Ramban, that the Teireh here is coming to let us know of a nest that occurred. So we're back to our original question. What's the purpose of the Teireh going through all of the details of the numbers, the half, the way it was divided, and the tax, the way it was given? What's, what's this all about? Abir Bezeh, so the Pshat here is as follows. If all it would say in the Teireh is the mitzvah that the Ebishter says, to give the tax one of 500, one of 50, to give to the Kayanim, to give to the Levim, if that was the mitzvah that the Torah said. 
And then the Torah would say, that Moshe fulfilled this mitzvah. The Sulai. And it wouldn't tell you any of the numbers over here whatsoever. Though you would be left with a big question, and this is a question in simple, looking simply at what happened here. If you look at things naturally, so when you have captives, you have plunder, whether the people, whether the animals, it's not at all common that the amount, the, the total sum number of every single min that you have, yeah, it should be such a round number, such a precise number, that not only the total sum number of everything you have is a, is a round number, is a number that uh, could be divided equally, but each individual min as well should divide should, should, there should be a very specific round number, and and it should be a number that you could divide it into 50s, 1 of 50, or 1 of 500, and there should be no extra whatsoever. You're going to divide 1 of 50, and then you're going to have some remainder. You're going to have another 25 that are left over. What do I do with them now? What kind of a tax should I take from the 25 left over? You have 1 of 500, you have 500, and you have... Extra. You have extra 100, 200, 300, whatever it is. You should expect when you have such a big number of plunder uh, with different minim that they have, that there's going to be some remainder over here that we're going to have to figure out what's the mitzvah of the Eivishter. How could we fulfill the mitzvah of the Eivishter when get to this leftovers? Obalasha Chazal, there's an expression that the Gemara says, that regarding many things that have to be very exact, we can't expect it humanly or naturally to be so exact with the numbers over here as well. It should be so exact that all of the numbers of each one of the minim that the Yidin had and their plunder should be exact. It should be divided up and it should be one of 50, one of 500, and they give the tax and there's no leftovers. Everything is perfectly sound exact. This is something that's very unusual. So over here, in our case, the mitzvah was to take a 50th of the portion that Eden received, and to take one of 500 from the portion that the people went out in the army. If the Torah would not spell out the actual numbers here, so you would expect that there has to be an, another additional detail that the Torah should clarify. What should be done with the leftovers? How do we fulfill this mitzvah regarding the leftovers? The Torah doesn't say a word about this. So if, you don't, if, if, not, if the Torah doesn't address this, there's something missing over here. How could you say that Meishe Rabbeinu fulfilled the mitzvah and we have no idea how, it would, how could we expect, how would it be possible that there was no leftovers whatsoever and he was able to do the mitzvah perfectly? So, so therefore the Torah comes and spells out. It says exactly what the plunder was. All of the numbers the Torah says in detail of each min separately. That over here, something unusual happened. That there was the exact numbers in each min separately. There was the exact number that could be divided and then to take the tax of a 50th or one of 500 and there was no leftovers. 
באופן שלקחו אחד אחוז מן החמישים ואחד מחמש מאס מהמחצס ולא היה עדיף כלל. And there was actually no leftovers whatsoever. So the mitzvah that they had to give this tax was fulfilled perfectly, nothing extra. And therefore the Torah is spelling out this unusual thing that happened here that enabled them to fulfill this mitzvah without any issues whatsoever. And the Torah does not have to clarify what we do with the leftovers. Now, the Rebbe clarifies, This is not considered to be a miracle that shatters the rules of nature. Comparing it to a real miracle, for example, one of the first miracles you have in Teireh, where Avram Avinu is thrown into a furnace of fire, and the fire doesn't burn him. So that's something which is literally supernatural. But over here, the fact that you have this round number, these perfect numbers, to be able to fulfill this mitzvah, it's not something which is totally supernatural. It's just something that's very unusual. There's nothing in nature that forces us to say that it's impossible for there to have these perfect round numbers. It's completely, completely unusual. And it's something that the Torah has to clarify. If the Torah wouldn't say this, I would expect that what happened was they definitely had leftovers. And I would be left wondering, so how do they fulfill the mitzvah? What do they do with all those leftovers? So on one hand, it's not a ness. So we don't have the question that the Rebbe asked before on the Ramban, which said, Vizen ness, that there's a ness that occurred over here. But at the same time, it is something that's so unusual that it's necessary for the Teireh to address this, to explain how the mitzvah was fulfilled if we don't find in the Teireh that it speaks about the leftovers. The Rebbe continues, okay, so this is the general Hezber of why the Teireh has to give the number in general of all the plunder, and also specifically of each min b'fneyatzmai, to know, to see that it was, uh, they had the ability to fulfill the mitzvah of each min separately to give the exact amount necessary. However, the question still is, the question still remains, this is after all something, it's not a miracle, it doesn't defy the uh, laws of nature, but it is something which is extremely unusual. So why did this happen? What was the reason that has such, a, such an unusual thing happens that they have the exact numbers needed to fulfill this mitzvah? So the answer is, as you can see here, in the way the Teireh itself explains what the mitzvah is. That you should mitzvah, that you should give the tax from the part that went to the people that went out to the war, one of five hundred. The Pasuk says again, Take from their half and you should give it to Allah Zerakayim. So this is, uh, these are extra words. When the Torah writes, it already said before that in the Pasuk, you're going to give from that part that went to these people, one of five hundred. Why does it say again, from their half you should take. The fact that the Torah says these words, you should take from their half. These words at first glance are extra. So what you see here is that the Eibishter's desire was that the tax that should be taken, whether it's the 50th or one from 500, it should be taken fully. From each half, 
the tax should be taken fully from the entire half. Nothing should be left out. There should be no shirayin whatsoever. That was the Ebeshtus Ratzin. Regarding the Ebeshtus Ratzin itself, we can't ask any questions why the Ebeshtus wanted it to be this way, as the Rebbe points out in the footnote. That's not our question. But the Pasuk is letting us know that the Ebeshtus wanted the tax to be taken, in this case, fully, from the entire amount, without any leftovers. If there would have been leftovers, from that leftovers, you wouldn't be able to take anything. You would have to figure out what to do with it. What does the Abish to want? But the fact is that this tax would not be a, it wouldn't be possible to take it from this leftovers. So the point is, the Abishter commanded it and desired that it should be this way, and he gave the Eden the ability that they should be able to fulfill the mitzvah fully, completely. This was the, Ebeshter, the way the Ebeshter wanted the mitzvah to be done, that it should be taken fully from the entire part, from both halves. So the point basically over here is that the Ebeshter is giving the Yidin, not only is he giving them the mitzvah, but the Ebeshter is also giving the Yidin the ability to fulfill the mitzvah. The, the mitzvah has a very specific requirement, mimachatzi samtikochu, it should be taken fully from this half with nothing left out. So the Abishtig makes it possible to give them the exact numbers that they should be able to take, a 50th or one of 500 without anything left out. Avala dainena move on, but there's something else that the Tater still has to address here. Okay, because now according to this, we do understand why the Tater has to tell us the number of all the plunder, the numbers of the specific minim that they got to point out or everything was an exact number. And the Tater also tells us exactly the meches, the taxes that they gave to, to show us how they had the ability to demonstrate and write, how they had the ability to fulfill the mitzvah exactly, perfectly, without anything left over. But the question still remains, couldn't have the Tater just written the amount of one half and then it's not necessary to write and repeat the whole thing again, what the other half was. The other half that Klal Yisrael received is, is the same number. One half went to those that went out to battle, and the other half went to those that did not, to the rest of Klal Yisrael. So why is it necessary for the Teter to write the other half? So here the Rebbe says there's another question that the Teter is coming to address. Avala Dainene on. the question still is... And this is similar to the point that the Ramban says, that the Rebbe quoted before. HaKadosh Baruch 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 the Abishter commanded to divide the, the, the uh, plunder. So he The Abishter wants it should be two equal amounts that should be divided equally. So now the question is, even just to divide it equally could be a very challenging thing. The amount of plunder they had here was a pretty big number. So to count such a large number of cattle and sheep and animals and, and people from the beginning of the count to the end of the count took a while. And then following this, only then were they able to divide it. And only after they divided it properly, are they able to then take the proper tax from each min separately. And what would be expected, it's impossible, that during this entire time, not a single person, not a single one of the animals died. From such a big number, 
of 840,000. That's the total sum of everything that we have over here, 840,000. So in this whole entire period, between the counting and the dividing and then taking the uh, tax, not even one died to create a problem. If one dies, that's all you need. If only one dies, now you have a problem. You can't divide it equally anymore. There's going to be some remainder here. There's one, one, one half is more than the other. And then the meister or the meches, the tax is not going to be exact either. So, and not even one died in order to enable the Eden to fulfill the mitzvah. If only one dies, so now you can't fulfill the Ebeshtah's mitzvah to divide it exactly in half. And also, now you have leftovers. You're going to take meiser, but you're going to end up, you're going to take the meches, the tax, but you're going to end up having leftovers that's not going to be exact. You won't be able to fulfill the mitzvah the way the Ebeshtah desired the mitzvah to be fulfilled. So the Torah separately tells us the other half, that the half they gave to the people that went out to war, and the other half that were given to the Eden, that it was the same number. To let us know that the two halves were the same. Through this entire period of time, it remained the same number. There was also something else that was completely unusual. That not a single one of the people or the animals that they had in their plunder died during this time period. So besides the Pele, that what they got in the beginning was an exact round number. What they took from Midian, the plunder, was the exact number that enabled them to do the mitzvah perfectly, to take the exact mechas from everything they had fully and not to have any leftovers. Also, later on, during the time period, when they counted, divided, and took, took the mechas, during that entire time period, nothing changed either. Something very unusual that nothing died in between, and they were able to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly. The Gambazek Canal, so here the Rebbe points out as well, this is not a nest, the way that Ramban puts it, that it's a miracle. In the Pshutish Mikra, it's not a nest, but it's something that's extremely unusual. And the reason why it happens is, This is all to enable the Yidin to fulfill the mitzvah. And therefore, the half that you didn't get have to be exact, has to be the exact same to the other half that the people of, that went out in battle got. So that enables them to fulfill one part of the mitzvah, to divide it equally. And also that there should be no leftovers of the meches, of the tax that they're giving, so that they can fulfill that part of the mitzvah perfectly as well. So therefore, the Torah has to tell us the full total number. The Torah has to tell us the number of all the minim of each one of the species separately to see how this, each one of the species separately had that exact number. And also to point out how when they divided it, it still remained the same number. When they gave the meches, which was a while later, it still remained the same number to point out how the Eibishter allowed everything to happen in such a way or orchestrated the uh, events to happen in such a way that they, they are able to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly. So now we come to the second question that Rebbe asks. Why doesn't the Torah ever tell us the number of what they gave, the 50th, that the Yidin gave to the Levian? Once the Torah says all of these details that addresses all the aspects of what happened here to show, to demonstrate how unusual this was to enable them to fulfill the mitzvah, 
to tell us the exact amount of the 50th that they gave to the Levim is not necessary to uh, spell out. It's self-understood. Therefore the Torah just says in general terms, that a 50th was given to the Levim. That wouldn't add anything in explaining the ability to fulfill the mitzvah. So seemingly what the Rebbe is saying is, the first time around when the Torah says that they took one of 500, there the Torah wants to spell out how they were able to take the meches perfectly, the exact amount, they had the exact round number they needed to be able to take the full meches without any leftovers, and the Torah tells us the full number that they gave. Once the Torah says that once, the Torah doesn't have to spell out that detail, again, because it already said it once, and it's self-understood that the same thing was when they had to take a 50th to give to the Levium, that it was the perfect amount and the perfect number without any leftovers. Okay, now the Rebbe explains this Indian over here, the Rebbe now will focus on this question, why the Torah tells us the exact number of the taxes that the ones that uh, went out in war gave and does not spell out specifically the details of the taxes that those that uh, the rest of Klal Yisrael gave. Al-Terecha Halacha, so now in the, according to Halacha, not in Truth Yishol Mikra, but according to Halacha, Yesh Kanal, we could explain the difference in the following way. Sha'akosov Mefaret Mispara Meches. The Torah spells out the half that was given as Meiser for those that went out to war and does not spell out the half of the Yidin. So Shita Sabahagi. The Shita of the Bahag is as follows. This mitzvah they had here to give from this plunder, the Meches, the tax to the Kayanim, to the Levim, is a mitzvah. The Rambam disagrees. The Rambam's opinion is, since this is not a mitzvah that is relevant in future generations, it was just for that time period, the Rambam's rule always is, anything that was only for one time period is not counted as a mitzvah. The Ramban, in uh, his Hasogis, uh, where he asks his questions on the Rambam, he argues on the Rambam, so he explains the opinion of the Bahag. The Bahag argues on this very point. The Bahag says that this mitzvah here about giving the tax of the plunder of war is actually a mitzvah in all future generations for all the plunder that they get, that they have to give the, the tax. So in the Sefer Zayah Harakiah, he asks the question, it's a clear Gemara in Menachis that says that this tax that they gave by the war with Midyon is not something that re- that's relevant for future generations. So how could the Ramban and the Bahag argue with the opinion of the Rambam? So the Noi de Yehuda and Atshuva answers When the Gemara says it is not relevant for future generations, it's talking about the tax that all of the Yidin gave of their half. Those that remain home, did not go out to war, there's no mitzvah for them to give a tax of what they received. But the tax that the Torah here says, those that, 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 those that went out into battle, that they had to give, this is for all future generations, according to the Bahag's opinion, according to the Ramban's opinion, this is the point, that the Neidah Yehuda says. 
So now, based on this, the Rebbe says, we could understand why the Pasik elaborates regarding the tax of those that went to the war and keeps it short, to the tax of the Yidin that remained home. Why the Torah elaborates more regarding the tax that was taken from those that went out into war. This is the mitzvah for all future generations. Which is not the case regarding the truma, the tax that was taken from the rest of Eden. This is not something that's relevant for future generations. So therefore, the Torah keeps it short and concise and just says that they fulfill the mitzvah in that time, but it doesn't get into the details. It's not relevant for future generations. So that's the Hezber, according to the opinion of the Bahag, why the Torah makes, why the Torah addresses this differently regarding the Maeser of the Yidin and the Maeser of those that went out into the war. The lesson we can take from this, going back to the point that the Rebbe explained before in the Pshat of the Posik, that the Eibishter made it and orchestrated it, that the Yidin got the exact round numbers, the exact perfect numbers to be able to divide it in a way that there should be no leftovers to divide it perfectly, to give the, the meches, the tax perfectly. So there's an amazing lesson that comes from this. At kamo gedeila ha-chavivus, chavivus kiyem ha-mitzvus ha-yedeb How beloved it is, the fulfillment of mitzvus of Yidin. Shekamo v'kamo enyonim, doleshchichi, klalu klal, Many things that are extremely, highly unusual, karu v'nasu, happened and occurred here, u'bulvat shebnei Yisrael yekaimu mitzvah bishlei musa, only to enable Yidin to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly. V'leirak be'eis kiyim ha-mitzvah misavav ha-kadosh baruch hu sholayiyu bulbulim u'meniyas. It's not only like you would expect that you find in other places that while a Yid is doing a mitzvah, the Ebeshter then gives him the ability that he shouldn't have any disturbances and anything stopping him of fulfilling the mitzvah then. Even before the time of the fulfillment of the mitzvah comes. The Ebeshter is orchestrating things happening. That a while later, The fulfillment of the mitzvah should be able to be done perfectly. Like we see right over here. That the animals and the people that they brought from Midian, the numbers of each one of the species that they took were the exact amount that allowed them to do the mitzvah perfectly. And also, for a long period of time, not one of them died from the people, Adam, Vabeheme, Vachulu. So the Ebishti is orchestrating this already long before. The Eden took all the plunder, all of the possessions, all the animals and the people from Midian. And this was already planned in advance that there's going to be the exact number available for the Eden to be able to fulfill the mitzvah. So it's understood that at the time when the war happened, it should be the exact number in the thousands that they needed, the exact number to be able to give the tax a 50th or one of 500. So the business of the people of Midian, there's business with the animals, trading animals, buying, selling, and also, they are raising their, their cattle, 
Zman Rav long before Baifana Masimlaza, that they should have the exact amount of animals born and there available that the Eden should be able to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly. Not one more and not one less. So Bisignanacher, to put this in different words, Zman Oruch, Lifnea Mulchama, even a long time, even before this war. Sibiva Kalishbaruch, Kama Vakama Sibis. The Abishter is orchestrating many things to happen. Sheyasku Anchemidyom, Bimaso Matan. The people of Midian, their business dealings with their cattle, with their animals, should be done in such a way, to raise their animals in such a way, should be that when the moment will come and the Yidin will go there into war, and Yidin will have this plunder and they'll have to fulfill the mitzvah, with the captive and the plunder of Midian, they'll have the ability to fulfill this perfectly. So the Abish is orchestrating something in an entire country of Midian, all for the purpose that a long while later, Yidin are going to come at the right moment and fulfill the mitzvah properly. This is an amazing lesson, Benigeh, to how a Yid has to look at the world, Bechlal. There are so many things that are being orchestrated in the world and are happening in the world, so that one Yid should be able to come along and, for example, fulfill the mitzvah of Lulav and Esrik, to take that Esrik from a tree somewhere in Italy and fulfill the mitzvah, and so on and on. In every case, when we see things that are going on in the world, the Abish is orchestrating many events just so that Yidin should be able to fulfill the mitzvahs. So this is a lesson for every individual. A person should not at all get affected from any disturbance that he has, from anything that seems to be preventing him of doing a mitzvah. If sometimes it may appear to a person that it's impossible for him to fulfill a mitzvah, he should not be concerned, it's not true. He should be sure in his heart and trust the Ebeshter is orchestrating the things for you and he will continue to make it possible. And it'll make it possible for you to be able to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly like we see it was over here in the Torah. The Torah records this and shows us how the Ebeshter enabled the Yidin to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly. So this is the lesson we take from this Indian that in every situation a Yid has to know that the Ebeshter is there and he's orchestrating matters in a way that he should have the ability to fulfill the mitzvah perfectly.